In today's show, I'm joined by Corey Tulliber of No Ceilings, the NBA draft dude. We're going to talk a couple of prospects that he likes, or one that he likes, one that he doesn't like that much, or as much as others, plus some top fives for the NBA draft. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We are getting stuck into NBA draft stuff. There was a mock draft a couple of days ago. Went through a bunch of NBA draft prospects yesterday with Ben Pfeiffer, or two days ago with Ben Pfeiffer, actually. And yesterday, we talked comparisons with Mitch Casey. Today, we're looking at top fives, top five shooters, top five defenders, top five passes, as well as a little bit more in-depth on a couple of prospects as well. Before we get into that, though, I've got a favor to ask you blokes, if and you Sheilas, of course. If you guys want to help out this podcast and the network, we've got a survey. It's at lockedonpodcasts.com slash survey. Everyone who completes it, it's only short. If you complete it, you go into the draw to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. So lockedonpodcasts, with an S at the end, dot com slash survey. Go fill out the survey. Help us out. Maybe win yourself a gift card. Enough mucking around. Let's start talking NBA draft. Let's get Corey in here. All right, so let's uh, let's bring him in now. First time guest on the podcast. Um, you may have seen him on No Ceilings, which I do uh, encourage you guys to check out all the shows they have there, audio and video wise. Corey Tulliber, welcome to Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Hey man, thank you uh, for having me on. I'm I'm excited to be here to talk some NBA draft. We're a couple of weeks out from the NBA draft, so we're going through prospects on all of these shows and talking about players that people are higher on, people are lower on. We're going to do something a little bit different with you today. We are going to talk about a couple of players there in that regard and then some top five lists as well. So we might as well just crack straight in here and and have a look at a guy that you are higher on than the consensus, and that is Gabriel Proceda, the 20-year-old six-foot-eight wing from Bologna over in uh, play for Bologna over in Italy. Just one quick question, Corey. Now, I know that... yeah. Bologna is in Italy, but you guys in America, you would say that word as baloney if you were talking about meat, wouldn't you? Why? Why? There's no, there's no why. Why is it baloney? It makes no sense. I, I wish I could tell you the English language uh, in and of itself doesn't make any sense. So you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> so Gabriel Proceda from Bologna apparently is uh, is here. So let, let's talk about him. Probably, yeah, I would expect him to be a second round player in the draft. Like how much higher are you on him than maybe that consensus? Uh, I would feel comfortable taking him, you know, in like the, the 15 to 20 range. Okay. Um, so probably, I guess a, a little bit higher. I, I mean, for me, like once I really started diving into his film and I was familiar with him prior to this year. Uh, but once I really got, deep into his film this season i was like he might be one of the best international prospects in the entire draft and um 
just with because of his size and and his the ability to shoot the ball there are just things that that he did on the floor that i was like this guy looks like a, a guy that's gonna play uh a long time in the nba so uh i think he's really exciting uh as a prospect and somebody that um again like i would have no problem taking pretty early uh you know like i'm a bulls fan like if the bulls swung for him at 18 i would feel completely confident in it so you, we look at the numbers. He only played 19 minutes a game. Um, but the shooting numbers are all fantastic. You're 52% from the field, 38% from three, hit 78% from the line. He got to the line a lot. He attempted uh, 53% of his shots are from three. His true shooting was 66%. Like These are all gigantic numbers. Unfortunately, a lot of the other numbers are pretty small, like 0.7 assists, 0.3 blocks, three rebounds. He did have some good steal numbers. So the question everyone asks, whether this is right or wrong, is international prospects, European prospects, like, are they going to be able to defend NBA athletes? Like, how does he go on that end? I, I mean, it's going to be a process early on for sure. But one of the things that's for me is, is encouraging is he's just so big. Like, you know, he's six eight out on the floor, and he's got big, broad shoulders. So, you know, as he continues to mature out on an NBA floor, I look at him and I go, like, is he the type of guy that's going to be able to play in a playoff setting? Is he going to be able to? get played off the floor physically and to me the answer is no and then one of the thing that pops about him that i'm sure we'll touch on is like he's one of the best athletes for a wing in this draft so he's got the athleticism he's got the frame i think he's going to put on good weight when he gets in an nba strength and conditioning program and i think he moves well enough laterally so uh, will it be a process early on yeah and that's true for the vast majority of rookies but he's a guy that i think just because of the size, the athleticism, and the frame, in the long run, I think he's going to be able to be on a floor in big moments. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to be the guy you stick on Jason Tatum in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, but I don't necessarily know if teams are going to be able to hunt him in the long term in the playoffs either. So I think that's where I'm at with him defensively. What about you know, outside of the shooting? Like, because that all looks really good. Like, that's that's impressive at this point. What else offensively does he do? Can he dribble? Can he pass? Can he be a secondary ball handler? Is he a guy that is only a catch and shoot player? Can he create shots for himself? You know, what's his other role outside of being? Hey, he's a really good shooter and he's got this good size. Uh, I think that um, one, he's going to be excellent in transition. I, I think he's. Uh, just an absolute beast out in the open floor. I think he's got really good timing uh, going for offensive rebounds. Like if you watch him, he's got like just a, an entire highlight reel uh, full of like monster tip dunks. Um, and I think that he's a good off ball mover so that while uh, he's not going to be a guy who creates a ton of his own offense at the next level, ideally, I think that like he can get his own shot in the same way that, you know, uh, maybe not J.J. Redick, he's one of the best ever, but like guys who are a Bogdanovich, guys who move off ball, get get open that way, running off pin down screens, floppy action. Um, I think that's how ideally he's going to score the vast majority of his points, but he has also flashed some pretty impressive stuff with the ball in his hands, um, you know, step backs and, and whatnot. So I do think he's got some potential there as well. I, you know, with him and, you know, the reason like, you know, I say I feel comfortable taking him post lottery, I don't project him to be like a, uh, you know, a sec, a first or second option necessarily. But I just think that he's got such a clear path to be like uh, a guy who you could probably rely on for third option scoring as a role player playing off of your stars. So 
maybe guys like Luca or Jason Tatum, guys who are going to be able to create a little bit on the wing. I think he could pair next to them really seamlessly. Uh, and whether that is developing some of that on-ball stuff or just being a really, really important guy who does stuff off-ball and doesn't need high usage to still contribute and get points, I think he can do uh, develop kind of a little bit of both. Before we get on to the player that you're a little bit down on compared to a lot of others, um, I've got a question that I have to ask everyone who comes on this podcast when it's the day that I've got to do this ad read, and that is, can you fix your own car? Absolutely not. Thank you. You're the same as me, but there are plenty of us out here who listen to this podcast who can. And if you are looking for parts for your car, why would you bother going to a local chain auto parts store? It seems like a waste of time. Well, it is. It seems like a waste of money. It absolutely is. When you can get all of those parts for your car for cheaper, reliably at Rock Auto, an online family business serving auto parts customers for over 20 years, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet, Rock Auto has everything that you would need for your car or truck. So head to rockauto.com and check out that vast array of parts that you might need for your car or truck and in their how did you hear about us box right locked on so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right the guy that you are a little bit down on in comparison to others is kendall brown who there was a little bit of an error with him in terms of um he was initially announced as taking his name out of the draft, and I didn't see the correction from that, so I thought he was out. Then you are uh, informing, no, no, he's actually he's actually staying in the draft. A six uh, eight nineteen year old wing from Baylor, and I just noticed I've spelled Baylor wrong on that graphic, which is annoying me, but that's all good. Um, all right, Kendall Brown, probably being mocked in a lot of places in the teens, early twenties. What are you down on with him? Uh. I think the main reason I'm down and it's not that I don't think he's going to be uh, a player that could return, you know, potential top 25 value. Uh, he, he certainly has some strengths, but I think with him, what happened was like, he was initially projected as this, you know, back end of the first round, potential early second round guy. And he came out of the gates and had a couple of really big games very early on in his season uh, where he flashed some things. Like he had a 10 assist game. Uh, he was shooting the ball really well, but it was on really low volume. So he was super efficient. Uh, and as the season went on, you saw less and less of the things that made him really intriguing early on. And maybe more of the things that made you say, oh, this is why he was projected to be the back end of the first round guy and not the guy who moved himself up into like the top five to 10 range. Now, he's kind of leveled out since then. A lot of people have dropped him back down. You're seeing him, as you said, maybe in the late teens through even you know uh, the, the 30 range depending on the board that you go to so I, I it's not that i think he's not kind of going back into his spot but throughout the process i've just the thing that i he has such intriguing tools because he's one of the best athletes in the class he's really agile agile light on his feet his shot looks clean it looks pretty good and like i say he's a pretty decent passer he's had some moments there but there's just something about his aggressiveness on both ends that leaves a lot to be desired it's just defensively, he should be this like just absolute lockdown guy on ball. And I think he's okay there, but he, he's kind of fine not being super aggressive and just kind of giving his guys space, not getting in their shirt uh, off ball. I think he's, he's young, so it's normal, but he's prone to getting back cut a lot. Probably not um, as impactful on that end as you would expect given his athleticism. And then, you know, the shooting is, he just really just, only shoots him when he is wide open like there's 
nothing where a guy's running at him and he's really going to put it up. So even some of the percentages, it's like, all right, that's going to be lower if this guy's actually going to shoot shots where he's not, you know, doesn't have 10 feet of space because very rarely in the NBA is he going to get that. So I just think that given his tools, his athleticism, I think a lot of people are going to look at him as this guy with this massive potential. And to me, it's while the tools may say that, is he going to be aggressive enough to actually fulfill it? Or is he going to be uh, like fellow Aussie um, Josh Green in, in Dallas where he's got all the tools, great defender, but like, you know, is going to kind of struggle to find consistent minutes out on a floor on a good team. So I, I, I just, for me, like, I think that he could definitely be a guy who returns good value for a team. I just think I would rather bet and swing on some of the other guys that I personally have ranked ahead of him. I think it's really important to mention about the shooting as well. Because you look at it and he goes, oh, 58% field goal percentage. Okay, 34% from three. That's that's okay. But you're right. The attempts aren't there. Like only 18% of his shots are from three despite hitting 34%. Um, and it's just not taking shots at all. Like his usage is at what, yeah. 17%? Yeah, 17% his usage is. So he's just not a guy that is taking those shots despite this you know, highly efficient looking line that he's got. So you're digging into context and looking at the fact that he is taking... Only those wide open shots might lead you to believe that he's a, maybe a better shooter than he actually is, which is going to be something that becomes a problem uh, in the NBA. And when you look at his free throws, where he's at under 69% there, somewhat of a concern, again, of him not having necessarily the greatest touch. And then you bring up those defensive concerns. So I, I was a little bit, I don't know where to fit on him. I like the, the size of him um, and having that yep. sort of wing size is, is important. But yeah, does does that trump production or projected production and projected shooting do you hope that that can change or is that is that more of a, a fait accompli that he's just going to be this really reluctant shooter do you see anything to make you think that maybe there's a spark or something that can change in his game or you know, was this opportunity for him in Baylor the chance to show that and he just shied away from it uh, well, he's young, so there's definitely a chance for him to kind of mature and grow into himself. And I think if he finds himself in the right situation, I think he definitely could, you know, be more of that player that um, you would hope to get by taking him in, in the top 20. Like, you know, if, if he does, if he plays off of a Luka or a LeBron or somebody like that, who's really going to take advantage of the fact that he is an excellent cutter, he is really strong out in transition, he is going to be a kind of a lob threat with his, his athleticism at the hoop, then there are, are absolutely paths for him to, to become a, a contributing player. But, you know, outside of him just being kind of an off-ball role player, I'm not really sure I see it. Like, even at the Combine, he shot the ball really well there in some of the drills, but it's like, there's no defenses there. So he has all the time in the world and to just be comfortable and shoot his shots. It, it's not telling the the story of what he's like, you know, the 34%. And that's, you mentioned earlier, he was at like close to 50% at some points of the season. So he just, you know, went on a cold streak on top of it. Uh, and again, it's mindset mindset. So hard to predict, like a, is it going to be maturity? Is it going to be the right coach who gets in his ear, the right developmental staff? That's what makes the draft tricky. You don't know the answer to that question until after the draft and you actually figure out where these guys go. So for him, I think to figure that stuff out, it's going to be kind of context dependent. One last thing on Brown is there, you talk about a cold streak. In the middle of the year, there was a 16-game streak and he hit 1-3 in 16 yeah. games. Like that is, that's crazy. There were some games he didn't even attempt any and he, uh, there was a bunch of them where he just went 0-1, but he didn't hit a single three from... Oh, sorry, he hit 1-3 in between the games starting November 25th against VCU. 
He hit that was November twenty fifth. He hit one three against Alcorn State on December twentieth, and the next time he hit a three was January the thirty first against West Virginia. So one three in two months you hit. So yeah, those percentages might be somewhat misleading. Let's move now, Corey, to talk about some top five lists and some interesting names that have appeared on your list here. Now these, of <laughs> course, these of course don't mean um, yeah that you would take these guys in this order necessarily. We're looking at single skills. Right. And the top guys that you, that you think at these particular skills. So we're going to do top five shooters, top five passers, and top five defenders. We'll go straight in here to talk about the top five shooters in this draft. Number one, who is it? It's, uh, that would be Young Jung Lee uh, from Davidson, which, yeah, is a name that uh, unless you're pretty deep into the draft, you're probably not super familiar with. Uh, but to me, he is just from a strictly shooting perspective to me i think he's the clear cut best shooter in the draft so being that guy being that number one shooter like what stops him from being a first round player or even maybe he's not even a draftable player like is everything else just completely disastrous no it's it's not like offensively i think he has a a real impact on the game he's not one of the shooters like who's doing a whole bunch of off the bounce stuff he's much more in the vein of like a duncan robinson type uh off ball shooter but besides his shooting He's so good at leveraging the threat of his shot to make really smart cuts. He's one of the best cutters and finishers in the draft. Um, And then he's also a pretty good passer. He's got really good feel with the ball. So he'll come off those handoffs that you used to see like JJ Redick and Joel Embiid or DeAndre Jordan run where, you know, he comes off, uses the threat of two guys jumping out on him for the shot to hit the roll, man. Uh, he, he could see most of the floor hit weak side. So offensively and as a shooter, he's really good as one of these guys who is going to be able to open up your offense um, and, and space the floor. The, you know, the reason that I think most people don't have him as a, you know, first round guy is there are questions about him defensively. Is he going to be able to uh, stick with the kind of wings that NBA players are, he's going to face on uh, a nightly basis in the NBA. Is he going to be able to handle the physicality? Those are the question marks. I have him in the 30 to 40 range uh, on my board just because I think the guys like him, if you go down the line, you know, they always kind of find a role somewhere. Even if it's not on the team that drafts them, they spend some time in the G League. And eventually, because they're such a good shooter, they find a spot in the league. Um, so I, that's why I have him number one. It's He's just it's a uh, stroke. In terms of shooting, um, yeah, we can compare to let's say Duncan Robinson as an elite shooter who's got a lot of deficiencies and he worked out in the NBA. But then there was a guy, say, last season who was a pretty good shooter. I don't know if you class him as the same level. Jordan Shackle, who really just couldn't stick. He did sign with the, the Wizards at one point, but you know, played four games and shot 9% in those games. So like, <laughs> what's what level of shooter, Yeah, how does he compare to, say, Duncan Robinson or to Shackle? I would say he's more in the Duncan Robinson vein. Um I, I, you know, uh, like Corey Kispert, like those kind of guys. Uh, I'd say he's he's more on that tier. And, you know, while Duncan Robinson made it, you also saw because of those deficiencies that he shares with Young Jung Lee, he wasn't able to really get consistent minutes in, you know, you know, the most important series uh, in the playoffs for the Miami Heat. So but I, I would say he, he's more comparable to a guy like Robinson. He's big, same kind of size. Um Probably a little bit more potential as a passer, but Duncan Robinson's pretty good in that regard as well. 
the, after number one there with Lee, you've got Malachi Branham, then AJ Griffin, Jabari Smith, and Tevin Brown to round out your top five. Interesting to see Branham there, who took a lot of long twos in college. Um, do you see that being something where he's able to take that out and become this high-level three-point shooter, or is he going to be stuck in that mid-range? Which, you know, making them, we've seen the success DeMar DeRozan, Chris Paul, Devin Booker have had in taking tough long twos. Is he a guy that will stick to that area, or will he take that volume and translate that into a high-volume three-point shooting situation? I I don't think he's going to eliminate the two-point shot from his game at all, Uh, but I do think you'll see a higher uptick of three-point shots at the next level. I I think that I would compare him a little bit to a guy like Chris Middleton, who a a lot of those mid-range shots are kind of those shots that you need guys to take at the, you know, end of a shot clock. You need guys who can just, sometimes you got to come off a screen and get a bucket. Uh, And that's the kind of shooter that he really was last year, but he's also a really efficient three-point shooter. And what I, what I love about him is he doesn't need, to have the ball in his hands to be effective as a shooter. He is shot ready from behind the arc on the catch. Uh, You know, whenever EJ Liddell's down on the block and he's out on the perimeter, like just freeze frame it and you'll see him with his hands out, you know, just ready to hop right into the shot when he gets the ball. So I think that he's one of those guys who's going to have like a healthy diet between the the twos and threes. And uh, eventually he might be a guy you could go to at the end of games to get shots in those tough mid-range areas that you see from some of the top scorers. Before we get into the rest of our top five lists, I'm going to tell you guys about Built Bar because they've got a new product out. It is Built Bar Caramel Brownie. Don't you love a chewy, chocolatey brownie? Well, I guess most people do. And if you do love that, with caramel added in, Built Bar has you covered. We know that protein bars in the past have tasted like garbage. They, they taste like shit. No one wants to eat them, but we do it because they're healthy. Or we reach for a candy bar, which is unhealthy. Well, Built Bar will merge those two together. Low calories, low fat, low sugar, but high protein, and it tastes delicious. What more could you ask for when you're looking for a healthy treat, a healthy snack, or something after you've worked out to get that protein in? And these caramel brownie bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. What more could you ask for? Again, Built Bar just knocking you out of the park every single time here. All of these built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits as well. There are a million reasons, and a built bar, I challenge you again to tell me what the million reasons are, because it seems like too many. But anyway, there are a lot of reasons to try built bars. Number one is the taste, number two is the healthy stuff, and number three is that I'm telling you about it, and you can get them for 15% off by using the code LOCKED15. So head to built.com, use the code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll save 15% off your order. Built bar is built different top five passes Corey when you sent me this list I looked at it I went all right it's pretty interesting um I've talked in my mock drafts about hey this where are the point guards they're not where are the point guards where are the passes where where are they they're not here and if you're looking for those guys like yeah you're the wizards in the Knicks sitting at 10 and 11 you go Jesus we need a point guard and there's no one there and I think this list would suggest that maybe that would be be accurate because some of the names on this list aren't guys who are going to go high. Most of them aren't really point guardy sort of players necessarily. It's a very intriguing list. Number one is Jalen Williams, the say, shooting guard wing from Santa Clara. You've got number two, Alondez Williams. Dalen Terry, who I talked about a couple of days ago with Ben, who has some uh, interesting statistical profiles with his passing and the really unbelievably low usage. 
um, which is weird for a college player. Usman Dieng, who I talked about as well, who's like a 6'9 forward. And then you've got Trevion Williams. So, yeah, how when we talk about these being the best five passes, according to you, is it because this class is just incredibly weak with passing talent? And we've had these guys like Cade Cunningham and LaMelo Ball the last couple of years and Josh Giddy, these really high-level passes. Is this class just incredibly weak or am I undervaluing these guys? I think the class is very weak when it comes to passers. You know, you mentioned the issues with uh, point guards not being a strength of the class at all. Um, But I do think that uh, some of these guys do offer real passing chops in an NBA context. So I, I, when I was going down my list of passers, you know, it, it could have been easy to just kind of go with some of the point guards that we have for point guard sake. But I, I look at certain guys on this list and try to figure out how they're going to play in an NBA context. And I think I could see them being important um, playmakers, passers, given their, their role that I'm projecting them as. So, Okay, so who's who's the guy that out of this group? Because again, not many of these players, to me, are guys that we're going to say, "All right, go out there and run an offense." Right? Who's the who's yeah. the guy that's most likely to be able to be that player who can you know, merge? There's not going to be Trey Young or Luka Doncic or Jar Morant. They're not going to be that guy. Yeah, you know, most most likely, you know, unless something weird happens. But who's the guy that you're going to feel more comfortable, yeah, you know, throwing multiple passes uh, per game and actually having a control of the offense? Uh, I would say Jalen Williams, which is why I have him at number one. Uh, you know, he's a wing. You know, six five, six six, seven two and a half uh, wingspan, but uh, he really ran the offense for Santa Clara. Uh, this season and just as a passer he he really has a, a really high iq and he made some really really high level reads like i highlighted one of them on my twitter the other day that is one of the best passes you'll see from anybody in any class like he came attacked baseline from the left uh corner went baseline and three guys collapsed on him he read the guy cheating to the weak to the opposite corner and wrapped around uh, the defender with a live dribble left-handed pass all the way to the top of the key on the money. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff he's capable of, but he's also capable of playing really slow with pace and playing out of the pick and roll, getting guys on his hips and then playing cat and mouse with the big man, understanding where the help is going to come from. And then he's got to make reads based off of that. So I, you know, I look at him and I say, this is a guy that I could see going to the NBA and actually be given uh, real legitimate uh, ball handling, playmaking duties at the next level. The other name on this list that I really wanted to highlight is Usman Jiang, who I had sort of high in my first mock draft and then dropped him down. I was like, a little bit discouraged. And then I spoke with Ben Pfeiffer on the on Monday and he was like, no, I, I really like this guy. Now you're putting him here in this top five passes. So maybe I need to reassess my views on Jiang, who had some struggles obviously in Australia, but really stepped it up uh, in the last in 10 or so games, I think, of the season. Um, you know, what sort of passing are we talking about here? Is this a Kyle Anderson type of passer, a guy that you want the ball in the hands of more than that? Uh, you know, what part of his game is, is this his, the best part of Dieng's game? I think it's the best part of his game because it, it, to me, when you're watching him on the floor, this is the thing that you go, oh, wow, this is what differentiates him from other prospects because he's, you know, legit 6'9", 6'10", long. And there's just something innate by the way that he reads the game. You could tell that he doesn't need to be told where the ball needs to go. You could tell that he sees the floor and he understands where the ball needs to go based on how the defense is shifting in their help. So, you know, he'll consistently 
make plays out of the pick and roll that really, really impress you when you watch him and it, it's not rushed. It's there. He plays with pace uh, of a guy who's, you know, been running multiple pick and rolls a number of times. So I, I think that his height certainly helps, but he just has a touch and a feel for, for passing that is, is really, really impressive. And I think that if he had done it for a more prolonged stretch, you know, as you said, he really only came on that, you know, last 10 or so games. Uh, I think that he probably had, would have been higher on my list, but, uh, and I also think that it's going to take him a little bit of time at the next level. Cause I think he really needs to work on his frame to get there. But I really see him as a guy that while you're not going to give him like Luca amount of reps, eventually he could be your secondary playmaker where he could substitute for your primary playmaker on a lot of occasions. Let's lastly go here into the top five defenders. A lot more familiar names on this list, Corey. At number one, you've got Chet Holmgren, followed by Mark Williams, then Keegan Murray, Dyson Daniels, and EJ Liddell. A couple of things that stand out to me here is yeah, Chet, yes, look, I fully agree with this as him being this really top-level defender. Um, Jalen Duran, not there, but you've got Mark Williams ahead of him. Okay. Um, Keegan Murray is a name that probably surprises me. And the other thing that surprises me is the absence of Jeremy Sohan. So talk to me about why you wouldn't have Sohan in this top five group, um, first of all. He he would be my sixth guy in this group. Okay. And I completely understand the argument to have him in the top five. Uh, it, it, it's very close, which is something uh, is a theme in this entire draft. The rankings and the differentiators are very close. I love Sohan. So, you know, for me to sell you on why he shouldn't be here is not something I, I necessarily want to do. But uh, the reason I have Liddell there instead, because I think defensively they're going to offer a lot of the same things, uh, is that I think that Liddell is probably going to be a better rim protector as a small ball five than yep. Sohan will be. I think he's got a little bit more of that, like, explosive vertical pop. His mom was a volleyball player. You see that in the way that you can kind of just one-step vert into, you know, sending a shot. But Sohan, you know, he's a great defender. And, you know, you saw his versatility by being able to switch onto bigs. And then, you know, he's hanging with RJ Davis in the biggest possession of the game in the tournament uh, against North Carolina. So he's certainly somebody worthy of being on the list. Keegan Murray put up some really big defensive stats last season in Iowa. I wasn't convinced that those stats and his defense was necessarily real or going to be that level of translatable into the NBA. But you've got him here as the third best player, you think, in this class. So... Um, you obviously you know, have a differing opinion to me on, on those defensive numbers and the way that he looked there. So what's, you know, is he a guy that you throw out onto the op opponent's best wing and go, hey, go guard Durant, LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi. Like, is he that guy to you that you can throw out onto the, the team's best wing? I think eventually, okay. uh, you know, a few years into his career when he develops physically and gets a, a handle on the speed of the game. Uh, I think that's that's kind of the goal with him. Uh, obviously early on, that's going to be incredibly tough, but I think that if he were to be put in those situations, he, he would definitely be a guy that is prepared for the moment. Uh, but when I look at Keegan, I, I look at a guy who I'm not comparing him strictly from like a play style, but kind of the mentality and the impact I see him having is like Al Horford ish where, you know, it, it's not necessarily the most flashy thing. You know, one of the guys at the no ceiling staff, Tyler Metcalf, uh, he, he likes to refer to Keegan as a guy. It, it's death by a thousand cuts where just he just wears on you, wears on you. And that's on both ends. And yeah, he's got, you know, big steal and block numbers. Uh, but the way he approached the game, he fits the prototype. 
you know, of the modern NBA wing who's going to be able to move up and down a lineup uh, and is going to be versatile. Uh, I think that he's a guy who still has room to grow, even though he's a little bit older. So I, I just love how he fits the trajectory of where the league is going. I love his mentality. I saw him from behind the bench this year, and, you know, I was watching for all the little intangibles that you, you go when you see somebody live. Um, and all the intel that I've gotten personally from asking league sources – it all checks out in a big way that this is a kid who just is going to do the right things and be a, a really high impact guys. So all of those things combined are the reasons why I'm really high on Keegan Murray and the impact he's going to have on that side of the floor. Last question before I let you go is I talk, is I'll probably get the most feedback about this guy, which is normal because he's, you know, considered the number one or number two prospect in this draft. And that's Chet Holmgren. And the number one thing obviously I get about is that his weight. We're not going to talk about that now, but is it people saying he's not going to be able to play in the NBA? He's going to get played off the court in the playoffs because he's got no ability to switch out on the perimeter. So can he switch on the perimeter? For sure. For sure he can. Yeah. yeah. I actually uh, just released a, a Chet Holmgren scouting video on my YouTube channel, the NBA Draft Dude. He's not as fluid as Evan Mobley is on the perimeter, but he's no slouch. And you'll see numerous uh, occasions in, in my scouting video where he switched on to a really shifty guard and he's staying with him stride for stride. And even when he gets beat by an inch or two, you know, a foot or even a foot, he has that absurd length to be able to recover and, and make the shot really hard. But it, it, outside of that, like if you put him in a drop coverage, he plays the cat and mouse game with the guard. If the guard wants to keep it, he can recover because he's so long. He's also smart enough to be able to fall back and recover down to the big. He can hard hedge, play out at the level of the screen. To me, it's he's kind of like it by a wide margin, he's the, the, the best defender in the draft. Yeah, I agree with you on, on the switching stuff, but the amount of people that have commented, oh, he's just, he can't get out to the perimeter. He can only play as a rim protector. He's no way he's going to be able to last as a four. He has to be a five and he's too weak. And I think oh, that, that's not true. And I'm glad that you've backed me up on that one. And that, Corey, will do it for us today. First, well, not first of all, lastly, actually, tell people, A, <laughs> where they can find you, what you do, videos, work, socials, all that stuff. Go with it. The, give us the no ceilings plug. Yeah, well, uh, on my personal Twitter, you can find me at Corey Tulliba, but you can also follow uh, No Ceilings at No Ceilings NBA. You can head to NoCeilingsNBA.com. That's where we have our daily newsletter where we release content Monday through Friday. It's free if you subscribe. Um, we also released our draft guide, which uh, is the top 58 players on our personal board with scouting breakdowns, strengths and weaknesses, player comparisons um, with a merch line. And then you can follow uh, the Draft Act NBA Draft podcast as well as the no ceilings uh nba draft podcast as well go and follow all those things go buy the no ceilings draft guide i bought it it's great go and have a read of it go check out all the stuff the Corey and the team over there are doing Corey, thanks for coming on locked on fantasy basketball hey i really appreciate you having me on and uh yeah glad we got to chop it up and, and talk some some big picture nba draft stuff absolutely and that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, drop your comments down below. What do you think about the top five passes, top five shooters, top five defenders that Corey has thrown out there? Go and leave your comments below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.